you realize how, you know, that time, length of time or perception. I know as soon as I start wondering what time it is, then then I'm back in the time zone. Mm. Or, you know, it's uh, just the, the perceptions of time. What time is it? An hours, two hours, whatever is... Uh, this this creates this uh, the sense of time as reality. <clears throat> I've noticed also that some of my habits tend to be always when I start something I do something to finish it. So uh, I notice this uh, you know very clearly in my monastic life. How even when you enjoy doing something, uh, still the mind is is already anticipating the ending of it. Like starting reading a book, I'm already wondering when I'm going to finish it. <laughs> and uh, you go on a, to Thailand for seven weeks and while you're on the way, uh, you're anticipating coming back. And this, uh, the way that the mind is conditioned to when it starts with the beginning it anticipates the ending so that this is the creating this the time as reality and of course the cultural conditioning is strong because we we fully committed to clocks and calendars diaries and and all the standard accepted perceptions of time. But now, you know, we're in 
during this retreat a chance to kind of reflect on this breaking down the assumptions we make from the conditioned perceptions we have it's like like in meditation you're you're stripping everything down you're challenging every everything you know that you believe in and cling to and identify with so it is that sometimes meditation is rather uh, can be rather frightening because the the security we we depend on through holding to beliefs and systems and habits and then when those you know I remember when I first had when I first remember introspecting you know when I was in the navy I remember uh, it was very much outward going all the time you know the tendency to think and analyze and to seek distraction outwardly and then <clears throat> I started looking inwardly and it terrified me because uh, it's like something a world that I depended on which was all outward trying to you know the experience uh, on the surface of life uh, reactivities and habits that I just developed up to that age then looking at at what was going on inside me I remember feeling terrified of what I might find out because as long as the direction is outward then somehow that's familiar even though we, we create illusions about it at least we're familiar with them the illusion that that you're always the same person, you know, with the the personality, the the um, people get very upset when when their parents get Alzheimer's and, and lose their memories, and don't even recognize them because our world depends very much on a sense of identity, parental uh, attachment to parents, and the and the relationships that develop with friendships or marriages or relations. So in uh, the illusion of life then is, is, is perpetuating these assumptions, you know, not questioning, not looking any deeper than just trying to affirm the the accepted conventional delusions we have. <laughs> and so in meditation, you, know, you are uh, penetrating that delusion. Things start falling apart. So that's where this uh, sense of refuge is is encouraged and of course in the in the religious path you have you know you have to have something to if it's just you know if, if I am just a personality that has no core no nothing to it and there's nothing transcending it nothing beyond it but but a kind of void of emptiness 
that seems like annihilation, then there is, you know, fear of of that. It, it, one can be terrified of that because uh, it just it makes everything seem so meaningless and pointless. And disappearing, you know, if if we are caught in the annihilationist perspective, then then the idea of just going into nothingness is uh, can be rather very threatening and and uh, frightening. <coughs> so in the Buddha Dhamma Sangha refuges. Now these are, you know, for most of us, because we're not from Buddhist uh, cultural background, we've adopted these words. But and so that that they are, you know, you know, we we have to develop these concepts so that they're they're pointing at reality, such as uh, Buddha. Uh, uh, in terms of what is the reality of Buddha as a refuge right now. You're always, you know, referring to now rather than some kind of romanticized perception of Buddha or some, some kind of vague abstraction of some Buddha force in the universe that you, you know, you don't, you can't see or experience but you kind of believe in. But this is a ref, ref, refuge in Buddha is, is doesn't mean to that you are grasping some kind of romantic ideal of this of this force or this being. But it's a real refuge and then as I explore that, that could only be an awareness. You know, so, so that, that, that it all comes together at that point of awareness here and now in the present. If I'm not sentimentalizing Buddha, you know, and making it some kind of, uh, uh, abstract ideal or imagined force or being in the universe, if Buddha is, is real, a real refuge, then it's here and now. And then here and now, the only refuge I can find is in awareness. Because any refuge I create, such as my views or opinions or beliefs in systems or conventions or whatever, those things are always subject to change. You know, the, when, you, when you seek refuge in, in a teacher or a guru, or a friend or whatever, it's inevitably going to, one is going to be disillusioned because these, uh, these cannot be refuges. People, personalities, teachers, gurus, these are not refuges. Then, um, So, in, in terms of Bhutang Sarnangachami, Buddha is the 
for me, now this is how it works for me, is in awareness. So developing that awareness, like in this retreat, that's the practice. Somebody asked me the other day what I did when I was sitting here. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> sitting, man, I'm just sitting, aware. Resting in awareness. So it's, it's a relaxed state. I don't feel, you know, I'm kind of not forcing or making myself or, or, you know, feeling I'm, I'm here to do something. I have to get my meditation together and get samadhi. I've given up on all that, those kind of, of, uh, ambition. You know, to, to think that meditation is something I have to do in order to attain something that I don't have get some special state I've seen through that that whole bawa dunha assumption you know I've got to get something by doing something now so the meditation then is is like just on the occasion just to sit still and be present nothing more than that taking refuge in the Buddha when I Sit here taking refuge in the Buddha. What am I doing? I'm relaxing in, into awareness. I'm not being taken over by some force called Buddha or it's nothing, you know, fantastic. It's quite ordinary. So then the, then that's something that that is quite normal to do. It's not not like a, an attainment of, you know, that only somebody that has been a monk for all these years can ever hope to attain. It's quite ordinary, natural, Buddha awakenness, isn't it? So the word Buddha itself, awakened, the awakened one, is a significant word. When this Buddhist religion, we are Buddhists, Buddhism awakens, take refuge of the religion of awakenness, of presence. Rather than we believe in Buddha and uh, as some kind of uh, sage of the past. Of course, in modern terminology, is how we use English. We can become Buddhist by by adopting all the Buddhist terminology, but without actually taking refuge in Buddha. You might be able to say "Bhutang Sarangachami" in perfect Pali, but not have a clue what that really means. Anything practical. <laughs> so you know, we can we can become Buddhist by adopting Buddhist. Uh, Customs, Buddhist uh, terminologies, Buddhist ideas, but that's not refuge in in Buddha. Is it? That can be very superficial. Just another costume we put on, another role we adopt, another convention we cling to. So the uh, refuge in Buddha then. It's much more profound, but it's simple. It's not 
it's in, in its profundity, it's very simple. It's not a complicated thing. So the Buddha knows the Dhamma. This is the Buddha. You can make Buddha images. You can, you know, there Buddhas are, you know, you have the historical Buddha, Gautama Buddha, and so forth. You have 28 Buddhas, and on and on like this. So Buddha is can have human form. So that means that that the the human form, you know, this human form, uh, then if I take refuge in Buddha, because this is a human ability. It's not just, it's not an ideal, a high-minded idea anymore. It's within the, that, it's the, 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 the potential, the possibility of a human being. <clears throat> so then, uh, Buddha knows the Dhamma. So we take Dhammang Sarnangachami, the refuge in the Dhamma. Uh, and then Dhamma, is the the truth the truth of the way it is santitiko akaliko ehi pasko panaiko banchitang apparent here and now timeless encouraging investigation leading onwards to be experienced individually by the wise so so this awakenness, then, this refuge in Buddha, is being we're, we're aware of things as Dhamma, experience, uh, what what we what arises, what we experience through consciousness in this human form, as we're uh, in this refuge of Buddha, then we experience the Dhamma. We're not experiencing my feelings and my opinions and my emotions and and my body anymore even though that might how it, that might be that it seems like that because the mind's conditioned to think in terms of this is me and mine five khandas are me and mine but recognize that, that, that the Buddha knows things in his Dhamma discerns the way it is When we when we lose that refuge, then we tend to make judgments, moral judgments, value judgments about the condition that arises. Now, so we we um, you know we like, we don't like, approve or don't approve. We feel we feel happy, we feel depressed, we feel guilty, worried, anxious, frightened, depressed. Hopeless, despair, grief, lamentation—all <laughs> through, you know, through uh, that can, these these conditions can arise in consciousness, and therefore, you know, when we see them in terms of self, then they then they become much more than what they are. We complicate the self view is complicated. You know, my personality, my 
sense of myself as a person is a quite complicated affair. So it makes problem out of anything. Anything becomes more than what it is. Just when I give it that power, that of del- of uh, illusion of uh, being me. But when I uh, uh, trust in this refuge of Buddha, then I'm, I'm resting, I'm at ease with receiving the Dhamma, knowing Dhamma, discerning the way it is. All conditions are impermanent. And so we've got the Sampei Sankarani Cha. All Sankaras are impermanent. All conditioned phenomena is impermanent. It's mental or physical, gross or subtle. It could be heaven or hell. It could be Brahmas, Devas, Asuras, humans, hungry ghosts, hell spirits, demons, animals, the whole gamut of, uh, of, uh, creation, it all is under that label, Sankara. Then in our own experience of the the refined mental states, uh, uh, as well as uh, the course, the physical body, emotions, feelings, all of this is Sankara. The base Sankara Nicha, all conditions are impermanent. Discerning that, that it's not it's not projecting an ideal of impermanence onto experience. It's it's receiving change, noticing, discerning it. How the the incessant, relentless change of conditions of the of the present reality. Then Sapetama Anatta all Dhamma is not self, is not is not me or mine. Because Dhamma is doesn't belong to anybody. And yet the awareness of Dhamma I'm not claiming personally to be Buddha. I'm not saying I'm Buddha and I know the Dhamma. I'm taking refuge in that awareness that is accessible here and now, that I that is simple and practical right now, not not a evolved state of uh, you know that is that is difficult. It's just to learn to recognize and trust it one's one's own ability to to be aware and awake in the present. And then the the Buddha knows the Dhamma. So if there's no self, there's that means there's no separation. Like when you become a self, then you, then this this creates the illusion of separateness. You know, so we, 
when we create ourselves, then there's always this sense of loneliness, separation, um, division, the paranoia that goes along with it, the self-consciousness, the anguish that we create around this lonely identity of being this, this body and this person. You know, so we're afraid of being alone, lonely uh, in in this vast universe. So we, you know, we we do things to to get away from it. Build a whole convention of delusions so that we can, you know, have the illusion of being having friends and and uh, purpose in life and and uh, the conventional world that we depend on we we want to affirm it and we resent anybody that that tries to destroy it though we go to war and quarrel and fight and do all kinds of terrible things to each other <laughs> in the process and there's this feeling of separateness and if you don't agree with me then you're my enemy you're a threat you're an alien you, we've got to get rid of you in some way <clears throat> but if there's no self then everybody belongs isn't it? Every, it includes everything so no self is a kind of liberation of the heart where everything is it's no longer just reacting to you know, trying to hold on desperately to the ones you like and trying to run away from or get rid of the ones you don't like. They all belong. You know, that whole fear, pattern of fear, paranoia, drop away when when there's unity or oneness. But as soon as as soon as there's separation then I then it's me against you or mine, my group against the others they create two sides and then there's jealousies and fears and competitions war and so forth result so in Sapei Tama Anatta then is a sense of freedom and liberation it's not it's, there's room for everything uh, you don't have to spend your life trying to control or protect yourself or by, you know, harming others or grasping desperately at, at, at uh, partners or friends or relatives or positions or wealth. Because you, you, you've let go of that. You see the futility and the pain that that is the result of grasping because the peitama ananta all dhamma is not so so these two refuges Buddha Dhamma they're quite that you know it's it's quite uh, you know a practical thing they become you know your real refuges because wherever you are whatever is happening to you whatever conditions uh, you're experiencing physically, mentally, emotionally whatever 
These refuges are always here and now. They never desert you. Maybe you forget them. And that's what happens, is we forget all about them, we get caught up, get thrown back into the old habit, the fears and desires uh, that we're accustomed to, that we create ourselves with. So, it's remembering Buddha Dhamma Sangha. Like on a observance day, observance night, this this is always we remind ourselves of Bhutang Saranangachami Tamman Saranangachami And then there's a third refuge. <laughs> Sangha, Sankang Saranangachami. So this translates the four pairs eight ki- uh, of eight, eight kinds of noble beings. Uh, so uh, this is the. Uh, what does this mean? <laughs> I'm taking the refuge in four pairs, the eight kinds of noble beings. Uh, this isn't terribly inspiring, is it? <laughs> but Sangha then is a, is a, you know, it means a group. It's not an individual. So it's used in in Thailand or in Sanskrit, in Pali or in India. Sangha, Sankom or Sang always means like a committee or a group or society. So we're taking refuge in the Sangha. Well, what does that mean practically here and now? So in the, the Sangha, is the, you know, the, this means like the, the practicalities of being responsible for action and speech. You know, taking on you know the the sila as uh, as uh, in terms of relating to uh, the other beings on this planet and the environment that I live in. So it's like the five precepts, the ten, the eight, ten, the uh, vinya. This sense of Sangha, because it's uh, it's you know we're all Sangha then, the sense of responsibility for action and speech, practicing the Dhamma. So it the Sangha is filled with individual, different individual forms. You know this, you know. Monks and nuns and upasakopasikas and all these are how it's defined. Then the four pairs, eight kinds of, there are the three mentor, sakata, kamiana, kamiaraha. Now those terms have been, been created into very complicated attainments, usually in Theravada, most Theravadans, I, I know, you know, regard these as unattainable states. Though it's, uh, 
you know, it's like, I remember years ago, uh, people were practicing this uh, Burmese method, the Mahase Sado method, and, and, and then they, and this was in Thailand, I was living in Thailand, and, and uh, you go through these stages, and they, they kind of, you know, tell you what stage you're in, the teacher will tell you what stage you're in by doing this technique. So then, uh, so then it, there's incredible desire among Westerners to get get to Sotapanna, stream entry. So I remember, you know, I, people doing this, you know, were desperate. So one monk, was first Western monk I ever met, was an English monk at Wat Mahathat in Bangkok, and uh, he was the strangest man I ever met. You know, he, he, uh, I never met a, a Western Buddhist monk, and so when I went to Wat Mahathat, uh, because I couldn't speak Thai, they said, "Well, we've got a English monk here. We'll go get him." So they brought this this monk down. He had very thick glasses, like Coke bottle lenses, <laughs> and so they magnified his eyes, kind of looked down, and very kind of nerdish-looking character and, and then he spoke in a kind of affected accent and yes what you can do for you <laughs> I said well I'm interested in becoming a monk you are why <laughs> and so then he was he, but as I got to know him he was even though he was uh, very odd and at first I was quite repelled I thought uh, I hope this isn't how I end up. Like that. <laughs> but he actually was quite a nice person, and he uh, he told me he'd been through this this method, and he'd and they'd given him a sotapanna certificate, <laughs> and he started laughing cynically, <laughs> and he left a few days later, <laughs> disrobed. Mm. But it shows how you know these these uh, these uh, these are words that we empower with. You know how do we empower these words? How do we use sotapanna, sakada, kamiana, kamiarahat, or Buddha Dhamma Sangha? So stream entry. You know, in terms of personality, when I depend on my the habits that I that create my personality, then I do create like stream entry into a very difficult remote possibility because my personality is a critical one, so it will it will always see what's wrong, you know, and will will exaggerate uh, the flaw or the fault or whatever. So it's it's uh, because that's its tendency. It's to do that. My personality is like that. So in trying to attain stream entry by having a stream entry personality, you'll never make it. <laughs> and if you do, you're deluded because your personality doesn't attain stream entry. You see, so as long as you're operating from this delusion, illusion of being a personality, you always feel frustrated and, and end up with always endless doubts and, and uh, feelings of despair about this. 
So then the the refuge in Buddha Dhamma Sangha, you know, this is this is putting it into practice so it's practical and useful and works. And this refuge in Sangha is is learning to get beyond to see through this uh, to to let go of these these uh, delusions and to trust in this awareness and that then once you really develop that trust and realize the then that that you're entering the stream there's this sense of you know the path not as a person not as a personality as a, I've attained stream entry I got a certificate from my teacher kind of thing but it's <laughs> it's you know it's a it's a a, a, a knowing yana dasana a sense of insight not not a, just a, a a kind of wishful thought or an overestimation because it's quite a normal thing it's natural dream entry is nat- natural it's not a refined created specialized state that depends on ideal conditions supporting it. So the four pairs, the eight kinds of nobles, each each one has divided into path, uh, fruit and path, path and fruit, or magapala. And we can make a real complication around that. So keep it simple in terms of, you know, just don't 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 go around asking yourself if you're a stream emperor, but as you begin to trust in your awareness, that's a natural sense of of that that has a continuity like a stream is this con- continuous flow, doesn't it? We thought the the word stream implies a a flowing quality. Things connect, you know. Stream doesn't isn't broken into into uh, you know bits and pieces it flows nature of the stream so as you learn to relax and trust in your in this awareness and seeing and real and discerning experience in terms of dhamma then the, there's a it's a it the mindfulness is connects it's a flow of awareness that you're that you're uh, realizing. It's real. Then, then the stream entry, of course, is is is, is the, the blocks. The stream entry are all the the artificial conditioning of of our of our mind. You know the the uh, the cultural conditioning, the 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 thinking process, the language, the the uh, ego, the personality, the sakayaditi. <coughs> these are create these are artifices that we project onto experience all the time. They're they're not natural things. They don't flow. They're they're not. They, they're just, uh, you know, they, they're just uh, habits conditioned into us after we're born. The sense of a self, conventional proprieties and expectations, isn't it? Conven- we're 
each have our cultural conditioning what we're the information we get about how we should be what's right and wrong good and bad how things should be the values uh, of our so of our society our conditions their conventions so so then uh, the conventional world then is we free ourselves from from that limitation of identity with with our gender with our position in society with our race ethnic background so forth it all we, i mean not that we 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 uh, we never have those those kind of uh, thoughts and things but they're no longer what we take refuge in we're getting beyond the the uh, the conditioned realm the artifices of culture and ego and language conditioning so then these then this is the stream entry to when you when you really trust in the pure awareness and then you have perspective you have perspective on you know how you, you know the, the conditioning of your mind the sakyatiti silapatabaramasa vichikicha the three fetters that that are the obstructions to the to seeing the path because these obstructions are 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 based on delusion so that as long as we're bound to those then we can't see the path at all because we're we're creating ourselves onto even our practice our buddhist practice we're creating ourselves into buddhist monks and nuns and and all kinds of things and you know meditators and sitters and method practitioners and and on and on like this so we 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 have, we can take the conventions of buddhism and meditation and and create self and be attached to convention to to the self view and through this endless thinking grasping of our thoughts views and opinions which lead to inevitably to wicikicha or doubt So, so this is where the, in the, I emphasize this you know, and encourage this this trusting in awareness. Don't make it into a problem. Don't don't worry about how well you sit, nor how long you sit, nor if your mind wanders and if you can't get the madhi. And they, 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 observe that how you you're grasping the the conventions too much and making it into a problem. For yourself, either you know you compare yourself to, you know, other monks or nuns, and, and then what do you do? You think, well, he can sit longer than I can, or he doesn't fall asleep, and he, she, and, <laughs> and we, we, uh, you know, we, we, we're caught in the in back in the samsaric realm again. So being, you know, using the conventions of monasticism, of Buddhism, 
of meditation and all that can be, you know, be caught still in the in the very three, first three fetters. No matter how hard we try to meditate and commit ourselves personally to the path and spend hours meditating, if we if we're still operating from these illusions, it, it ends up, you know, being a disappointment. Never being quite sure where you are, who you are, or whether you've been wasting your time. So, to recognize this, the, the, the awakeness, and uh, like I described as listening, this broad spectrum of opening, receiving this moment as is. Uh, non-judging, that's not not getting, not allowing even the most you know stupid feelings or thoughts or frightening memories or whatever to allow them. You know, to, to whatever arises is okay. It's allowed. It belongs. You know, so you're because it's in terms of dhamma that you're receiving it now, rather than terms of personal attributes. So you can have, you know, fear, repressed fear and all and uh, negative states arising in meditation. But to me that's a purification. It's allowing uh, these these dark things to become conscious. And uh, and allowing them to to cease, it's you know it's compassion really. You're allowing these miserable conditions to to cease. You're not re- recreating them endlessly. So the four stages and the. Totapanna, Sakada, Kamyana, and Kamyarahant is, you know, these are, these are words, Pali words, that, that, you know, are, can we can, they've been quite helpful, or they can, if we grasp them in the wrong way, then they become obstructions. So, recognize that, that, uh, that uh, the, these ten fetters, which determine the 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 uh, these stages, they're just lists to help, to guide, to reflect from, rather than positions of attainment or achievement on a personal or individual level. And then you'll begin to to notice the fading out, and you know, you you break through this. Your commitment to these delusions of Sakyaditi, Tilapatabharamasa, Vichikicha, then, then, uh, you know, once you see through that and see the suffering, uh, that you create by, by holding on to, to the conventions as the real world, the conventional world as the real world, or, always seeing yourself in terms of your ego and personality judging yourself 
according to, you know, the way you've been brought up and and what you like and don't like about yourself and others. And the the uh, thinking process, which leads to doubt. Thought always takes you to doubt. You know, if you just wander and, and what is Buddha? Is it real? And then you, you want somebody to tell you, Ajahn Sumedho, is Buddha, was there ever really a Buddha or not? And say, yes, there, there was. Well, how do you know? Do you have any proof? <laughs> and even if I could find proof, you know, still, you would still be unsure, you know, because it's all uh, mental, you, you know, thoughts and perceptions. You're not, you know, the, the Buddhist conventions, there are conventions, you know, they're, they're not ultimate in themselves. So those conventions are to be used for what? Well, we use the conventional, we use the, the, um, this sense of, say, of awareness, this sati, sampachanya, Instead of we're, we're resting in the pure subjectivity of awareness, not in the in the ego. Usually, if we don't, if we aren't aware, then we 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 are, we are operating always from the ego. So we're we're projecting our center into into some kind of perception we create, we we reproduce. So the ego is the subject, me, Ajahn Sumedho. Uh, and as a subject for experience, that then I fall back into the patterns of my personality, my habit pattern, and I experience life through through my fears and desires as a person. So taking refuge in the Buddha is then taking refuge in awareness, where you're getting to the pure subject experience. You can't get beyond it. It's not a perception, so you can't find it. You can't, you know, you can't find it as some kind of thing you can see or know as an object. It's, it's, it's where you can't, it's that which you can't get beyond. When you just totally give up and receive this moment. You know, you're not trying to, to get mind, become mindful or find your center as through some grasping of an idea. So it's learning to to let go of all your grasping tendencies and and views and opinions about Buddhism and yourself to just trust in in this uh, the awakened state of being here and now. So the subject then is the pure subject of awareness from this point of consciousness on the, in this universe. And it's not Ajahn Sumato or anybody. So then Ajahn Sumato can arise, you know, the, somebody says, Ajahn Sumato, and I say, yes, did you want something? And I can still operate on a conventional plane. It isn't like I just, you know, I'm like Ralph's, uh, uh, people in the library that don't sign their name. <laughs> <laughs> I 
when they check out a book, they don't have a name because they're anatta. I'm still willing to go along with the convention. Say, if I go and check a book out in the library, then I'll sign, you know, Ajahn Tomato on it. It doesn't. No problem. Then the five khandhas, and this includes everything about, you know, the, your physical body, your feelings, your sensitivity, your senses, your sense experience, your conditioning, your emotional habits, your thought patterns, your fears and desires, and all the rest is seen, it's recognized, it's received, it's not it's, there's nothing rejected. But it's seen for what it is. Dhamma is the truth of the way it is. When you see it through your personality, then it's more than what it is, isn't it? So anger comes up personally. Oh, I'm angry. That person really upset me because he didn't, he said some things that really were unkind and. It's more than what it is, isn't it? I've just made it into a big problem for me and probably everyone else around me. So, if I, you know, but if anger rises from the position of Buddha, then anger is Dhamma, isn't it? It is what it is. Anger is like this. It, you know, it feels like this. But you notice that when you're receiving this anger from the awareness, then anger is 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 a trans is a changing experience. You know, it has no core to it. It has no stability. The pace and karani child, all conditions are impermanent. So your your reference is is seeing conditions as they are. So it's a receptive state. It's not. It's not. A, it's not a controlled state of, um, you know, trying to to hold on to what you like and get rid of what you don't like. And then, uh, in terms of sangha, then we are refuges in the awareness again of this 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 individual creature here living my life in a way that is is a benefit to me and the community, the society, the planet, the universe. You know, so Sotapanna, Sakata, Kamyana, Kami Arahan, they're they're a great benefit to the to this society. Because they aren't self-centered, they aren't deluded, they're not greedy, they don't, they, you know, they're, they're, Arahant is a, is a, you know, field of merit in the society. The great blessing. But not as a personal identity. 
These don't work as personal identities at all. So just to encourage you to, uh, on, on this remaining month in March, to, you know, the, the conventional form Theravada Buddhism that we use, it's, you know, learn how to use it well. It's a useful tool. And it's a language that, you know, that we agree to use. So it's, it's a kind of Buddhist jargon or, uh, <laughs> It gives us a common language of reference if we develop uh, and understand these terms, not not from a scholastic position, but from insight. You know, these are the, all these teachings: the Four Noble Truths, Eightfold Path, the Paticca Samuppada. The, all the whole lot are about here and now. They're 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 not Buddhist theories. Or, or or abstractions. So that's why dukkha is suffering is it's not a theoretical thing, is it? Suffering is pretty real, isn't it? We all experience it. So it's it's not a not an ideal, but it's pointing to very ordinary experience that we all can relate to. That we all don't want we all nobody wants to suffer. We want to be happy. And, and then our attachment to dukkha as an identity we create fear you know there's so much to fear personally my personality you know I'm fairly robust you know I'm character so I'm not particularly you know I'm not a, I've never considered myself a delicate frail sensitive type but I, <laughs> but I certainly can suffer over all kinds of silly things. As a person, and uh, so you know, because that's the way it's conditioned, and that that isn't, uh, you know. So this is this this refuge in Buddha Dhamma Sangha allows us to escape from that bind that suffocating bind of of sakyaditi of attachment to conditions of create of creating problems about everything of being trapped in in the momentum of fear and desire and it, it allows us to get outside that to see it in terms of what it is rather than is not to annihilate it or eradicate it, but understand it. Or offer this as a reflection. <clears throat>